And with that, the question, what is GMO 2.0 and where have you been? Jeffrey Smith. Welcome back, my brother. It's good to see you. Nice to see you, Robert. Nice to see you. I had, I was thinking this morning, um, I wanted to send some videos out the end of the year to our list of uh, well over 100,000 people who've been a part of our community. And I realized that one thing that I really want to give people is a short video that says it all that and not for them but for their friends and family uh, because um, so many times people were convinced to eat organic and avoid gmos but you know we're, we're approaching that person we've spoken with for about the 17th year and the this, the subject of food comes up <laughs> and their eyes glaze they look at their watch and all of a sudden they have to leave and it's like we don't have the credibility among our friends and family anymore if they haven't already tried organic and switched. And also, I wanted to give people an, an easy introduction, how they can explain to others about GMO 2.0, which we'll talk about, and the dangers to hmm. all living beings and all future generations, and particularly the microbiome and human health. So what I would like to do this hour is to give a presentation that can be used by people to share with their friends and family as a gift. So they're off the hook and they'll allow me to do the heavy lifting by talking about GMOs and Roundup and GMO 2.0 and all that. So how much time do we have, Robert? I'm going to, I'm going to stuff it with all the details I can. Well, I've got questions of the day to answer later in the hour, but basically if you want to knock out uh, 30 to 35 minutes Right, right straight through. We don't even have to take a break if you don't want to. Well, I don't think it'll take that long because okay. a lot of people don't start videos if they have that many minutes on it. Okay. But I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to start with you. If you could introduce me to the people who are the friends of the people who have been, and I'll start it just before, I'll send out my own little uh, version of this. Sure. You introduce me and... Um, tell people about responsibletechnology.org where they can go and support. I will then carry carry the weight of it through the dangers of GMOs, the corruption by Monsanto, the collusion by the FDA and the EPA, the introduction of gene editing, the dangers of CRISPR, the dangers of destroying the microbiome, the new Biden administration's executive order, and the window of opportunity that gives us, or not, depending on what we do. Sure. And we're going to end up being... Uh, doing just fine. All right, my friends, uh, very special announcements, information, education, empowerment about to occur on the Robert Scott Bell Show. My good friend, my brother, Jeffrey Smith, Institute for Responsible Technology, responsibletechnology.org. He's been working tirelessly for decades now on this issue and all of its uh, a myriad of, of, of tentacles reaching in uh, through government agencies, through business, uh, through, uh, you know, indoctrination. Uh, this is an astounding time in our history, and I, I believe, this is my opinion, that just like, remember the Blues Brothers, they're on a mission from God, I believe Jeffrey Smith is too. He was sent here to help us on this issue, and he's got uh, an incredible mind to see how to undo it in a way that is practical, pragmatic, and achievable, 
And uh, if you like to actually achieve these things and win on things that are empowering and helpful, check out responsibletechnology.org. It's something you definitely want to support. And now we're going to learn also about GMO 2.0. Jeffrey Smith, take it away. Thank you, Robert. I really appreciate that. Um, so this is an introduction to the world that I've been in for 26 years. And it started 26 years ago when I went to a lecture by a genetic engineer who blew the whistle. They were about to release genetically engineered soy and corn and canola into the American diet. And he was an award-winning, NIH award-winning uh, genetic engineer. And he said, there's absolutely no way that Monsanto, the company that was going to be releasing these into the food supply, could guarantee the safety of humans that were eating the food because the technology itself was prone to side effects. And when I heard about this, I realized everyone who eats is at risk. But then he also talked about the fact that when you plant a GMO, it can cross-pollinate and make non-GMO products genetically engineered in terms of their offspring, and you can't clean that up. So all living beings, all, human, all humans who eat, all of that was at risk, especially if the GMO industry increased its plans. And we found out later its plans were to genetically engineer 100% of all commercial seeds and patent them. That was actually Monsanto's plan revealed in a, in a biotech conference in 1999. So I, I want to focus on the health dangers first. And for the health dangers, I'm going to share some correlational studies showing the increase of certain diseases with the increased use of GMOs and Roundup. Now, I know that correlation does not prove causation, but it's the first part of the smoking shotgun that we have implicating GMOs and ill health. Now, the reason I mentioned Roundup is that Monsanto was the, first, was the company that introduced most GMOs into the marketplace, and most of their GMOs are Roundup ready. That's the trade name for genetically engineered soy, corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, and alfalfa, engineered not to die when sprayed with Roundup herbicide. And the Roundup and its chief poison glyphosate gets into the crop, into the food, into our diet, and affects us. So if we're looking for the health dangers of GMOs, it's a combination of the genetic engineering aspect and the Roundup that's sprayed on those GMOs. There's also some GMOs, corn and in some places cotton and soy, that produce their own toxic insecticide called Bt toxin, which kills insects by poking holes in their gut. And it's found that it pokes holes in human cells in large concentrations in a laboratory. So we have things to look at when we look at GMOs, and I'm only mentioning just the Roundup Ready and the Bt toxin, but there's others that are also dangerous. But I wanted to go first to these charts, because when I speak about this and show these charts around the world, and I've spoken in 45 countries, the jaw can drop about what if the GMOs and the Roundup were causing these accelerations of diseases, and we think they are. So I'm going to share my screen. Um, let's see here. Can you do that here in this uh, uh, format that we use through Restream? It would be amazing if you can. Well, I'm looking to try. Yes, tell uh, the, the camera what to pick up. I think there's a gearbox there in Restream that may allow it. I've not done yes. it yet. If not, we can go uh, and uh, have Superdon do something perhaps. All right. Are you seeing the, my, my PDF here? 
Not at the moment, not at the moment, but if there's a, a way, uh, in fact, you can send the, the PDF right away to Super Don, we can have him put it up on his screen because he knows how to do it. I wouldn't know how to describe it unless uh, we bring him in. Well, that's interesting. Okay, then we'll have to do that. Super Don, I'm going <laughs> to, well, I'm going to do it without the charts. Okay. All right. So. There is a, um, some scientists, Dr. Stephanie Senna from MIT, Nancy Swanson, who's a physicist, that calculated what the impacts were of GMOs, and particularly Roundup, and figured out what diseases that could cause and pulled together the data from those diseases in terms of their incidence or death rate or whatever, and charted it with the increased use of Roundup or the increased use of GMOs among soy and corn, the two major GMOs in the United States. And the correlation was phenomenal. And if we look at the, at the charts going up, they're just shocking as to how many of these diseases are rising in parallel. And the diseases include inflammatory bowel disease, um, deaths from obesity, anxiety, diabetes, deaths from Alzheimer's, deaths from Parkinson's, deaths from hypertension, autism in six-year-olds, insomnia, celiac disease, uh, hospitalizations for acute kidney industry, in, injury, death from kidney failure, kidney and renal pelvic cancer, uh, liver cancer, liver and intrahepatic bile duct cancer, thyroid cancer, deaths from leukemia, breast cancer incidents, deaths from intestinal infection, deaths from disorders of lipoprotein metabolism, peritonitis, hepatitis C, dementia, deaths from senile dementia, ADHD, schizophrenia, suicide by overdose, congenital birth defects, congenital heart defects, newborn metabolic disorders, newborn genitourinary disorders, skin disorders, newborns with lung conditions, newborns with eye disorders, um, blood disorders, anemia, lymph disorders, and deaths due to stroke. These are all researched to rise in parallel with the increased use of GMOs and Roundup. It's shocking and it would be amazing if GMOs and Roundup were causing these things. Uh, and how do we know? Well, first of all, humans eat more than their weight. Well, Americans eat more than their weight in GMOs each year. So if these things were causing these diseases and someone stopped eating GMOs and Roundup, they might show getting better from these particular diseases or disorders. So in starting in 2012, I started asking audiences uh, how many people are trying to avoid GMOs and I got a sense of 20% and 40%. I got a sense of how many in the audience by a show of hands. And then I said, okay, for those that are consciously trying to avoid GMOs, maybe the 60 to 100% organic, what changes have you noticed in your health? And people would raise their hand and say, uh, acid reflux or inflammatory bowel. And I'd say, how many people here noticed an improvement in digestive disorders? And a bunch of hands went up. It was always the number one response. And then I'd say, uh, someone would say brain fog or fatigue. And I'd say, okay, how many people noticed an improvement in that? It was always the number two. And so I took the 28 different disease conditions that I heard had gotten better from about 150 lectures that I had given and asked these questions to the audience, including about two dozen medical conferences where I was asking physicians what they noticed in their patients 
when they prescribed organic diets. And I sent out a survey to 3,256 people who reported getting better from the same 28 conditions in the same relative order. So I'm gonna read some of these, and this was peer reviewed and published in the International Journal of Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine. Digestive problems was number one, 85.2%. Fatigue was 60%. Overweight or obesity, 55%. Brain fog, 52%. Mood problems like anxiety or depression, 52%. Food allergies and sensitivity, 50%. Now, memory and concentration, I'm just going to forget the percentages. Now they're below 50%. Memory and concentration, joint pain, seasonal allergies, gluten sensitivities, insomnia, skin conditions other than eczema, eczema, hormonal problems, musculoskeletal pain, autoimmune disease, cardiovascular problems and high blood pressure, asthma, menstrual problems, diabetes, other mental disorders besides anxiety and depression, underweight, cancer, kidney disease, infertility, autism, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's. Many of these same disorders that you just heard, which were reported getting better when people switched to an organic diet, were also rising in parallel with the increased use of GMOs and Roundup. That's good evidence. It's building a case, but it's not complete. We want to look at the animal feeding studies, where they force feed the GMOs are the roundup to the animals. And sure enough, the animals suffer from either these diseases or since they're more short-term animal studies, the precursors to these diseases, and virtually all of them have precursors that have been found in these animal feeding studies. We've also talked to doctors who were treating patients uh, from before GMOs were introduced and saw an increase in these disorders. They put their patients on an organic diet and it went back to where before GMOs and Roundup were part of the food supply. Similarly, veterinarians with pets and livestock. But that's not all. Now we understand more of the modes of action, what GMOs and Roundup and BT toxin actually do to our system. And that gives us even a greater insight into what I call the plausible causative pathways from GMOs and Roundup to these diseases. And I could go through all the 35 diseases on the charts and all the 28 disorders that were reported in the surveys and show you the modes of action linked to the particular disorder. It's easier to do that with Roundup because we have more information about Roundup. A lot more research has been done than that on GMOs. And I'll give you an example. We'll pick one of the diseases that are reported both as increasing with the increased use of Roundup and reported by individuals as going away or getting better when they switch to organic, and that's insomnia. So insomnia, our, our sleep is often governed by melatonin, a neurotransmitter which comes from serotonin, which comes from L-tryptophan, which is produced by the gut bacteria through a process called the shikimate pathway. It turns out that glyphosate, the chief poison in Roundup, blocks the function of the shikimate pathway. In animal studies, it means that the L-tryptophan that was produced normally by the gut bacteria is dramatically reduced, which means the serotonin, which is 90% produced in the gut, is likely dramatically produced, and it converts to melatonin, and it's reduced, and then you end up with insomnia. A straight line from the mode of action of glyphosate damaging the shikimate pathway 
to not getting to sleep. Cancer is another one. So many cancers that I read there. Now, the World Health Organization's Cancer Committee declared glyphosate a probable human carcinogen. And we have all sorts of modes of action. How it does that oxidative stress, genotoxicity, gap junctions, um, micro, microbiome changes, uh, toxic, all sorts of levels of toxicity. We can identify why glyphosate is a probable human carcinogen. And we see in animal studies, animals fed GMOs that are not sprayed with glyphosate ending up with large tumors, early death, organ damage, etc. So we now have modes of action, human and clinical evidence, epidemiological data, animal feeding studies, and I recommend just try it on your own. Just go organic, take notes. I like working with spreadsheets. So if you could put down your mood, your energy level, and every single disease or disorder that you're experiencing now, one to 10. And then every column is a different day. And at the top row, the percentage of organic that you eat that day. And see if the changes in all the disorders and your energy level and your mood change over time. Now, I have a movie called Secret Ingredients. And someone in the, in the chat has already mentioned that it was a big change. It transformed her family. And this film actually follows individuals and families that switch to organic and they get better. So two boys on the autism spectrum, no longer on the spectrum. People with brain fog and allergies and digestive disorders and, and all sorts of issues clear up. The doctors in the film explain that these are actually typical results in their practice when they prescribe organic diets. And then when people cheat on their diet and go back to the foods that they had stopped eating, the symptoms come back. The scientists in the film explain why this is the case, and we show that through animations. So it turns out it's the most compelling case for switching to organic. So if you're not already ready to try it yourself and create a spreadsheet and see the changes, watch the movie Secret Ingredients at secretingredientsmovie.com and then make the change. Now, one of the questions, there we are, thank you, one of the questions is how could this be so bad and be put onto the food supply? Mm. Well, for those that understand the influences that occur in the regulatory agencies, it's not such a surprise. Monsanto was the big biotech company introducing most GMOs. The first Bush administration ordered the FDA to promote GMOs and they created a new position for Michael Taylor, Monsanto's former attorney, to be in charge of policy, including the GMO policy that was to govern the US GMO policy for years, it still does. So when he was at the FDA, his policy that he wrote said, we don't see any difference between GMOs and non-GMOs, therefore no safety testing is needed, no labeling is needed. If a company tells us that their GMOs are safe, we have no further questions. In fact, you don't even have to tell the FDA. You can just put it on the market with your own desire and your own estimates. And if you do want to engage the FDA, there's a meaningless voluntary exercise where at the end of the day, the FDA writes a letter saying, 
It's your, it's your responsibility to determine if your foods are safe. You've made that determination and we have no further questions. You don't have to give data that would allow the FDA to actually analyze safety and no one does. Now, this captured regulatory agency at the FDA, and by the way, Michael Taylor then went on to become Monsanto's vice president and then went back to the FDA as the U.S. foods are. The same capture happens in the EPA around the approval of, of certain genetically engineered crops and also Monsanto's Roundup. We have evidence of that and also the USDA. So that's, and we have also evidence of how Monsanto rigs research. In this book of mine, um, I have, uh, it's called Genetic Roulette, the Documented Health Risks of Genetically Engineered Foods. The third part is all about how industry rigs their research, uses the wrong statistic methods, the wrong control groups, the wrong assumptions. It's entirely non-scientific, but they have an echo chamber of promoters which pretend that GMOs are safe. And their ability to drown out science is epic. And their ability to control regulatory agencies, not just in the United States, is epic. And I describe that also in this book. Also, for some people who are really into the science, just look at the, um, at the table of contents of the, of the book and see, oh, this is actually just part one, and you can see all the different ways that GMOs can cause problems, the evidence of harm, how the gene insertion into the DNA causes massive collateral damage, how the protein that's designed to be produced can be damaging, how the protein that's produced could be different than what's anticipated, how genes can transfer to gut bacteria or possibly internal organs, how they can create environmental toxins or accumulate toxins from the environment, and that they're more dangerous for children and newborns. And for those that are interested in how Monsanto was able to get their way, this book, Seeds of Deception, which was my first book, is all the stories of the corruption and the collusion. The subtitle is Exposing Industry and Government Lies About the Safety of the Genetically Engineered Foods You're Eating. All documented. I have to be very careful in documenting yeah. because I document how Monsanto actually attacked scientists and sued and, and basically um, destroyed people's careers so I had to be meticulously careful and hand it to an attorney and look at everything and hand it to scientists who were going to, to um, write blurbs about it. And then they went through every single uh, quote back to the original quote to see that it was not quoted out of context. Literally, literally. I had one, one person who was like the daughter of the president of Germany who was writing the forward for the German edition. And she said, I had a friend of mine look at every single quote and do what I just said. We only have one question. Now, check out this question, Robert. You have a quote in the hard edition, in the hard book, that's different than the quote in, this, in the paperback. Can you believe it? <laughs> I looked at both pages. And I said, yes, in the hardcover edition, I was quoting the Washington Post, and they got it wrong. Mm. And the Roger Selquist that they were quoting was not a scientist, but the CEO of the company that produced the flavor saver tomato. Mm -hmm. And he referred to the rodents as mice, but they were actually rats. And so I had to make a change because the Washington Post had it wrong. Anyway, so that brings us up to the end of GMO 1.0. Yeah. And, and Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey, by the way, what we've seen in the last two and a half, three years 
is everything you've described that they've done with GMO science, so to speak, applied in a different realm of science. Again, it capture industries, capture regulators in every aspect of our, you know, let's say governmental structures on all countries on planet Earth that they can get a hold of. And it's a dilemma of dilemmas because we would want to seek redress through those agencies like EPA that are supposed to protect the environment. And then we find out that they're enabling those who are harming us and the environment. And yet your focus, Jeffrey, for your life ever since I've met you is about how to do this and actually achieve the goals rather than tilting at windmills, right? That oh, yeah. that we can just just do the same thing, but this time we'll do it. We'll, we'll break that wall. And, and that's not you. So you've learned a lot, of course, over those 20 some odd years now, over two decades of this. And then you have the, the success in GMO 1.0 pushing back. Incredible. Yeah, and let me just say that, that what we were doing is educating consumers. When I started, no other uh, nonprofit wanted to focus on the health dangers. And I thought that was the Achilles heel of the industry to have consumer mm -hmm. reject it. So we educated consumers. I spoke in 45 countries, wrote two books, five movies, trained 1,500 speakers. We coordinated over 10,000 activists in North America and many more around the world. And so we built a movement focused on the health dangers. And not only did people learn what GMOs were, but now 48% of the world's population, 51% in the United States, believe correctly that GMO foods are not safe for health. And they so, changed their behavior based on that, too. Oh, yeah. And that suppressed the growth of the biotech industry. Right. They wanted to. There was a projection that 95 percent of all commercial seeds would be genetically engineered by 2004. There's mm -hmm. only been about a dozen. And yeah, it, was it, wasn't, because of the, yeah. it wasn't the government that stood in the way. It wasn't industry that started going, well, we better do better because we're, we're, we're being dangerous. It was the consumers, the people that use the product said we don't want them. How much power was that? Now, that's where we saw so much success over the years, yet we come now to GMO 2.0 that takes this dilemma that we have. They ha we have them on the run. Yes, and they realized, they realized that if they were going to introduce their new gene editing, it could fall on the crash on the rocks like GMOs did. So they got together in, some, in a c conference in Eastern Europe many years ago and behind the scenes for many years figuring out how to introduce new GMOs and lie about it more successfully. And so, and so they rolled out gene editing, interestingly, with the same rhetoric and claims that they did for the original GMOs. It's safe, it's precise, it's natural. But they were able to convince governments that GMO 2.0, that gene editing was safe and predictable and natural, and therefore, should be treated like breeding. They even call it in some cases precision breeding, wow. even though it's an absolute disaster. So they were able to convince the United States government, the Canadian government is, is trying to push that forward, the UK government's trying to push that forward, already passed in Japan, Australia, uh, Brazil, India, uh, Argentina, many countries, allowing gene-edited GMOs onto the market without any safety testing, without any labeling, and in many cases, without even telling the government. Now, what that means is we have an oasis of organic, we have an oasis of non-GMO verified, or we have a high level of confidence. Maybe there's some low level of contamination. But with these gene-edited crops, they could flood the food supply, flood organic and flood non-GMO, and no one would know. So our food is at grave risk. Now, to respond, first of all, to the biotech lies that gene editing is safe, 
we go we put out a six minute animated video. You can go to responsibletechnology.org and please make a donation when you're there. But if you look at seven reasons why gene editing is dangerous and unpredictable, you will see in six minutes the seven reasons. And in one of the little segments, the journal Nature, very pro-GMO, calls the calls the outcome of one gene editing technique, CRISPR, chromosomal mayhem. And those that are trying to use CRISPR and other gene editing techniques for human genetic engineering are very precise and very careful. And they look at something and they know that sometimes it actually kills people. So they're very reticent. But the biotech industry that produces food doesn't look at those dangers and uses the same accident-prone technology to create our food. And don't, they don't look at whether it's producing carcinogens or toxins or allergens. So look at the six-minute film at responsibletechnology.org. And we're going to try and get that out to all of the world leaders. There it is. There it Seven is. Years. Yeah, just it's embedded on the website at responsibletechnology.org right on the front page. Yes. Uh, gene editing is cheap, easy, prone to side effects, poorly regulated, and can permanently alter nature. Nature's gene pool, a recipe for disaster. Again, this is what we're talking about, GMO 2.0. As much success as uh, uh, Jeffrey and, and all of us is, uh, you know, in, in helping along the way uh, against that first generation, this CRISPR technology, which can be done in, I guess, in your own bedroom or bathroom. That's how it's like become. That's the other thing. You, you, CRISPR is so cheap and easy. It's used by home hobbyists and in high school classes. What could you unleash in a bacterial sense? Well, I mean, that's, that's interesting you asked that question because, Mike, of all the different products that can be genetically engineered, plant, animal, microbe, microbes are, microbes are clearly the most dangerous. Now, if you've been awake any time in the last three years, you might think that I'm talking about what's called gain of function, mm -hmm. where you take pathogens and you enhance them so that if they get released, they can create pandemics. That's not what I'm talking about. Yes, that's dangerous. But everyday run-of-the-mill microbes, like bacteria found in root structures, in plants, found in our gut, if those things get genetically engineered, it could create massive diseases, uncontrollable, and it could damage or collapse ecosystems. Another film, this one's 16 minutes. It's called Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle. And this one at protectnaturenow.com, describes at the very beginning, I interviewed Dr. Elaine Ingham, who's the queen of soil biology. And when she was a professor at Oregon State University, one of her graduate students was doing research on a genetically engineered microbe that was about to be released and sent to farms all over North America. And I don't wanna spoil the plot, but what would have happened had it been released as planned had this graduate student not volunteered to do this extra research to test some of its properties, you know, Dr. Ingham's words, it might have ended terrestrial plant life on the planet. This was not a potentially pandemic pathogen. This was an everyday microbe bacterium that's found on the root plants of every single plant in that they've ever studied. But as you'll see in the film, in the 60-minute film, it was engineered to turn plant matter into alcohol for a very well-meaning reason. 
which yeah. could have backfired. You'll also see another bacterium that if had it been released as planned, could have altered weather, pla- weather patterns permanently. Yeah. And whether these in, these consequences are intended or unintended, I mean, that's for another discussion. The end result is still the end result, the disaster, uh, you know, life terminating disasters uh, that we can circumvent. Some have been, but they're still not giving up on their dreams and desires to CRISPR all life if they could get away with it. And so, Jeffrey, what can the Robert Scott Bell Show family do to help out? I mean, do you need scientists? Do you need people on the ground? Do you need, obviously, donations? Tell me what they can do, what can everybody can do that's so moved to help? Well, it's interesting that President Biden came out with an executive order on September 12th to promote biotechnology. And he enlisted nine cabinet members and 10 heads of departments and agencies, calling it an all-government approach. Now, on the face of it, it could be a disaster, but in the executive order, and I read it very carefully and took notes and have excerpts, he focused a, a, a substantial amount on biosafety, charging many members of his administration with addressing it. And in a white paper that we had written, there's members of the Department of Defense and Homeland Security and former National Security Advisors that are freaked out about gene editing because their capacity to uh, purposely or accidentally cause massive diseases and environmental destruction. So we know there are people in the current administration who are concerned and have just been given the mandate to promote biotechnology in a safe way. So we have a plan to influence the recommendations going to the White House and the final implementation of this new bioeconomy plan from President Biden And it's a big plan. It's a bold plan because it's not going to stop at the United States. It's also going to be extended to the world. And we are looking for top scientists from around the world. One of our focuses is on the microbiome, which is so critical. That's the most urgent thing is to lock down genetically engineered microbes. That's something that could devastate us quickly. And we happen to have just been coming out of a pandemic. So everyone's like aware that microbes can travel, mutate and Mm -hmm. wreak havoc. People don't know that microbes can swap genes. So you genetically engineer one microbe, and all of a sudden, 10,000 other microbes contain the gene that you've, that you've genetically engineered, and they're in the gut, and they're in Siberia, and they're in Alaska, and they're in uh, the Gulf, and all that. And they're all over the world, and you don't know how to clean them up. So we have a rather bold plan, and we've laid it all out, and it's expensive. It costs more money than IRT has. We're a nonprofit. So... We are desperate because there's a 180-day window for many of these members of, of the Biden administration to give their recommendations to the White House, which means mid-March. So we're in a, in a sprint to raise a few hundred thousand dollars to, uh, to put this plan together because this is a window where decisions are being made. As an activist, I'm aware that if you miss those windows, you get locked out for years or decades. I did not have the national organization at the time when all these schools were looking at the health of school meals. They had their wellness committees. They determined what shouldn't be fed to the kids, and then they locked it in as policy, and it was too late for us to make any changes. So we have to wait for the next round, which could be in a decade or two. We're now opening the door, or the Biden administration is opening the door to rearrange the policy on GMOs, even asking the EPA, FDA, and USDA 
to review the regulatory framework that has been the basis of GMO approvals. So everything is up for grabs. We are sitting with the science. I've been collecting the science for 26 years. Now we need to convey it in a way that will impact the decision makers for that master plan. And we have a way to do it. I'm not going to announce it. I'm not mm -hmm. going to tell Monsanto what, or Monsanto bought by Bayer. I'm not going to tell yeah. them what we're going to do. I'm just going to say it's expensive. But I have great confidence that it will work, not just for the United States, but for around the world. So the number one thing we need is donations. And that would be go to responsibletechnology.org, hit the donate button, and ideally something that you can afford on a regular basis each month so we can actually hire people and invest in assets knowing that the budget that we're planning will be handled by recurring donations. Uh, for some, it may be easier to just do, you know, all at once, but that would be critical right now. Okay. And so Fine. what we're looking at, Robert, and I want to, I want to make sure that this is clear. Okay. All living beings and all future generations. I throw that term around because I've said it a lot, but imagine that you create that people do with gene editing CRISPR kits, introduce new grass and trees and dogs and cats and, and animals that glow in the dark and food and microbes and all that. We could replace nature in this generation. There's no recall because these are self-propagating genetically modified organisms that will create their offspring and their mm -hmm. offspring and their offspring. And now we have taken the gene pool and corrupted it forever. So we've arrived at the inevitable time in human civilization where we can easily redirect the streams of evolution. We're democratizing nature. GMO, I, I coined the term years ago, GMO means God move over, mm -hmm. now more than ever. Yeah. So we need to protect nature now that we have the capacity to corrupt and destroy it and replace it. More ability to do that than ever before in human history. So now we need to change our relationship with nature and safeguard her, protect her. And of course, we would like to do it with all organisms at once with really strong, strong policies. But the one, the kingdoms that are the most impactful are the microbes. Well, when Jeffrey says he's got a way to do it, he's got a way to do it. I will just urge you, if you have a little bit extra or a lot of bit extra, if you've been holding out to think, well, what do I want to give to and donate to? This is as worthy a cause as anything we ever cover here. And, and you know, look, Jeffrey doesn't say other things are not worthy to. That's not the point. But you know the urgency and the importance of it because this GMO 2.0, this technology could destroy things faster than just about anything if not corrected and there's a window of opportunity here as you described jeffrey I, I would like to see i and i'm trying to connect you with some scientists too that i think could help in this regard and i'd like to see that you have the funds to support them to do this because the window is not forever and we are called to do that which yeah this is as righteous as i said you know a mission from god as there ever was and jeffrey my brother i love you and i appreciate you so much you know that and I uh, can't wait to get together with you anytime we can. But I'm so glad you, you joined me here before the end of this calendar year to get people to go, hey, uh, this is what I've been waiting for. I got to get in there and, and support this. Thank you. And Robert, there's one other thing that, th that people can do right away mm -hmm. and take this broadcast yeah. and share it with others. You know, my, my pur purpose for this was to make a little capsule 
encapsulation of what I've been doing for 26 years. And I'm always inviting people to change their diet and, and see how their life improves. So that we had to get through that. And now we're talking about changing government policy, which is more expensive. Yeah. So we've been able to run an institute on a few hundred thousand dollars a year for 20 years. Amazing. And now it's going to be a lot more money because we have to change it globally. It's not enough to just change, you know, the United States from producing genetically engineered microbes when 100, when 200 other countries are doing it. It has to be global. Hit them everywhere. Yeah. And that's what our plans are, a okay. global plan. Right. And by the way, one of our friends, Ula, also described, you know, going organic and non-GMO, going back to the health issues you were discussing. Uh, she said uh, she switched over, uh, let's see, for tw seven years at the time. Let's see. And she eliminated debilitating conditions that she had suffered since her late teens, including endometriosis. Ladies, think about that. How many things uh, your doctor's not telling you about the food as medicine? That's an ancient concept but more urgent than ever now. And of course the food is relying upon the microbial world for it to be produced. And uh, this is what Jeffrey's talking about, the 2.0 scenario. As much as we've succeeded in, in curtailing a disaster prior to this, there's more work to be done. And you're here for this. You're here for a time such as this. And Jeffrey is, uh, um, you know, you're, like I said, I just, you're amazing. I love you, my brother. So thank you. Thank you, Robert. And, Thank you, Robert, for helping get this word out. You have a, your audience is very educated about so many things. Um, and it was like telling your audience that, that their regulatory agencies are corrupted was so redundant because <laughs> you exposed <laughs> yeah. that so well. Um, and but what I found is they do it with a level of mastery, which is incredible. I mean, I've, I, I remember speaking to some of the top scientists in the world who evaluated how GMOs were approved in their countries. And they said, none of it is scientific. It's completely a facade. And yet it's been taken over by a very well-orchestrated campaign. So um, part of our job is to expose that. But I think right now we are, are we're shifting our focus very specifically in a rifle barrel approach to get new policies made to raise certain issues to the whole world and to members of the Biden administration. And I'm hoping that we can, we can next year when we, mm -hmm. when we meet for the holiday interview, it'll be um, a celebration. Or before, if possible. Also, I'm encouraged that there are people within this administration that are somewhat to very concerned. That means there's an opening to reach them. And if, oh, yeah. if, if that's happened here in the United States, then I imagine that there are places around the world also where that concern exists that we can uh, impact those people who now have that influence. To make you know, I was speaking to a microbiologist. First of all, we have a microbiologist on staff and he, I asked him, contact some of your friends in the field and ask them what they think of genetically engineered microbes. He contacted five of his friends and they all said the same thing. Never thought about it. <laughs> so then I talked to a microbiologist who apparently had thought about it but disregarded the concerns about genetically engineered microbes as less important than the other types of organisms. So we spoke for an hour and by the end he was like, oh, totally, you're, you're totally right. And I'm particularly concerned about horizontal gene transfer. And it's like, yes, that's exactly right. Changing to genetically engineer a gene for one purpose in one microbe and it ends up in 10,000 other types of microbes 
conferring survival advantage and changing the nature of nature. Mm -hmm. So it, the fact that people don't know about it means it's time to ring the bell loud. Yeah. And it also gives it gives us an advantage to be the, the bell ringer. Yeah. And for those of you who, who occasionally feel overwhelmed by this kind of information, pray too that, you know, petition the creator for a guidance for help as well. But also we are here because we are part of that help. You know, you said, you said, for those that are overwhelmed, I recommend that I was going to hear it. Xanax. No, yeah, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. No, not here. Maybe, I know. Maybe, maybe cannabis, maybe Kratom, maybe, but no, not there. So uh, Jeffrey, my friend, we'll see you soon, hopefully. And also follow up as this, you know, we're not going to wait till December of 2023 to find out what's going on. So please make, uh, when you have time to come back and give us some updates. And Absolutely. that way we can also, we might have some new insights to say, hey, now we can tweak a direction a little bit. Right. And we want to be nimble with you in that way. Totally. Thank you, Robert Scabell. Thank you, your community. And for those of you who have received this video as a gift from someone, they're off the hook. If you have any questions, challenge us mm -hmm. because we have to build our science to be bulletproof because we knew that the biotech industry was going to hire a bunch of scientists trying to find anything that they could. And all that they could do is create their own websites where they lie about what we said in order to challenge it. So uh, mm -hmm. we're pretty confident in our science. All right, everybody, the links are in the show notes uh, today, December 15th, 2022, when this first aired. Uh, share it, even if it's after the date, because it's still valid, still very important to do so. Come on over to robertscottbell.com. The links are there, and you'll get to responsibletechnology.org and all the other sites we mentioned today. God bless you, Jeffrey. I had to take a moment. Then there's a bonus round. I've got questions today. We'll answer it there. Uh, but this was just too important to uh, pause at all to get through it all. So thanks, Jeffrey. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for listening to Live Healthy, Be Well. Please subscribe to the podcast using whatever app you listen to podcasts with. Or go to livehealthybewell.com to subscribe. This podcast will inform you about health dangers, corporate and government corruption, and ways we can protect ourselves, our families, and our planet. I interview scientists, experts, authors, whistleblowers, and many people who have not shared their information with the world until now. Please share the podcast with your friends. It will enlighten and may even save lives. Safe eating.